I'm joined by reader and writer Dominic Hoey to talk books. Hi, Dominic. Go to Jesse. How's it going? Good, thank you. Now, since we talked last, I have purchased and begun reading the book you reviewed last time, which is The Shards by Brett Easton Ellis, and I'm really enjoying it. Thank you. Oh, nice. How far through are you? Um, maybe 100 pages. Um, yeah, yeah. Really, yeah, really enjoying it. It's a, it's kind of a rollicking good story so far, which um, for whatever you could say about Brett Easton Ellis's earlier writing, Less Than Zero and American Psycho, Sometimes it was there wasn't too much of a plot. The um, the style seemed to be the thing. But um, as as we noted last time, in the last couple of books, he's got more interested in. in I mean, I'm, I think of Stephen King. You know, I've actually dragging you along mm. as a reader because you want to know what happens next, and then all the stylistic things sort of happen on top of that. Do you think that's fair? Yeah, yeah, it's got a much stronger narrative, and it really picks up. You know, like I think in the sort of second half of the book too. Yeah, but he does a great job of um, evoking horror um, in a way. In a ways, with you know, again, American Psycho, there were horrible things happening, but he was just so flat about it. Um, but but now he's got a real skill, or he employs a real skill of actually making you feel that horror creep. Um, yeah, I'm enjoying it. Set in Los Angeles in 1981, with a group of oversexed rich kids at public school and a serial <laughs> killer on the loose. <laughs> um, yeah. So thank you. So what do you have for us into this week? Well, this sort of ties in, I guess, with the horror theme, but it's more real-life horror. Um, so it's a book called The Cold Vanish by an author called John Billman, and it's a non-fiction book. Um, and it features a number of case studies of different people who have gone missing in national parks and oh. forests in America. Wow. Um, yeah, it's really, really good. Um, I'm, it's sort of, you know, it's, it's, I guess it's true crime, and which is a genre that I don't normally like, but... Um, the, um, John Billman's prose style, it just grabs you from the first page and you just can't stop reading it. And, he, and he's really respectful, I think, to the victims and the families um, who have gone missing. Yeah. How does he arrange the stories? Is it um, a chapter on each one and, and just the story of what we know happened? Or you know, how does he approach it? Well, the structure is quite interesting. So, he, yeah, there's, there's, there's a number of different case studies um, throughout, which will sort of be like um, – you know, you'll go into and, and it'll spend maybe a chapter or half a chapter on them. But there's one story um, of Jacob Gray, um, who was uh, um, sort of like, I guess, like an amateur athlete. He was a surfer. He was a martial artist. And he went on a um, quest to sort of ride his bike um, up the Pacific Northwest um, of America and then disappeared. And they found the bike on the side of the road and it had these four arrows stuck into the ground, which is quite creepy. Yeah. And then so um, basically a lot of the book is the author joining um, Jacob's father, Randy, who's also a surfer, and they're sort of um, on this quest to sort of try and find him. With the author, I guess he's sort of like pretty sceptical of whether, you know, he's not, he doesn't, I don't think he really believes they're ever going to find him, but the dad is sort of, you know, thinks maybe he's joined a cult, maybe he's sort of, um, you know, taken off and he's out there somewhere. And, yeah, so, the, so, the, so that sort of um, ties together all these like different essays on, on other people that disappeared over the last sort of 20, 30 years. Yeah. Um, there's a bloodhound handler you mentioned in one of these stories. Yeah, so a lot of it goes into cadaver dogs and different types of dogs and sort of how reliable that is. And there's a lot um, also about sort of like where you go missing in the U.S., you know, whose jurisdiction it falls oh, under yeah. will depend on how seriously the search is taken. So some people, you know, some jurisdictions will go all out and others is kind of like, have a little bit of a search and then it's kind of on the family really to sort of try and find you 
Yeah, because you're in the middle of nowhere and... Um, yeah, in fact, this is really ringing a bell, but I can't quite remember why, but there was... I think there was one kind of disappearance that made the news where it was kind of really in between jurisdictions and um, made it really tough for the family to try and get someone to go and investigate. Um, there's a researcher that's profiled in this book that sounds really interesting, David Paletis. The, the Bigfoot guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so Bigfoot turns up again and again throughout the story and you, and you get the feeling that the author's kind of like, you know, is not, doesn't believe in Bigfoot, but keeps running into people um, and stories. And there's one story in particular about like a um, four-year-old boy that goes missing from his home and he's found three days later, like right near the home. They already searched there and it's weird, he just turns up and he's saying that a giant monkey looked after him. And he's sort of, Whoa. throughout the story, little, uh, throughout the book, sorry, little stories like that keep coming up. So it's sort of, the author's never like, you know, Bigfoot's responsible, but it's, it's enough to sort of pique your interest, I suppose. Yeah, it sounds like, because true crime is often very gritty, um, but it sounds like there's a bit of a spookiness to some of these stories as well, that mm. the author doesn't kind of shy away from the spookiness. Yeah, well, like, there's there's another thing they're talking about where, like, they keep finding all these bodies that are missing their shoes and nothing else, which he's like, I have no idea why that is. And then people that just go missing, like, they're talking about one guy, you know, he was sort of, you know, at the sort of... Um, parking lot of, of a national park and went to go to the yeah. toilet and just vanished and you know they just searched everywhere just couldn't find them and just a lot of the a lot of sort of quite like you say spooky and just things that you're like what is going on um and i think the fact that the author is putting himself in the story it kind of it stops it from being too voyeuristic because i mean he's actually there through a lot of this you know right I mean? and and partway through the investigation and talking to the family yeah, and yeah. so forth yeah well, he says at the beginning, he's like, I kind of like went against, you know, my journalistic integrity a lot by doing this, but I couldn't help myself because once I sort of um, connected with Randy, like the father of Jacob and, and, and went on this journey, he couldn't help but sort of get involved in the story. Yeah. You know? So what's the appeal for you as a reader, Dominic? What makes this book, um, what separates it from all the other sort of true crime books out there that people um, choose well, I, I really, I've always been really interested in, in, I guess, mysteries and stuff. But like I say, I don't really like the true crime where it's like something horrific's happened to someone and we sort of dwell on it for a long time. And yeah. I think that can be quite disrespectful. But I think um, I actually found it on this Instagram page called Schizophrenic Reads. Um, so I highly recommend to anyone who's into nonfiction. It's, it's this guy who just basically seems to read like a book a day, basically. And he's just yeah. recommending different books. And I found a lot of good books off there. Nice um one. Yeah, doing, and then and you're gone. No, you go. No, you go. You doing much writing yourself at the moment? Yeah, I'm about um, sort of halfway through the third draft of my new novel, and um, at that point where it's just all hard work now, all the fun credit stuff has <laughs> been done. So, um, uh, but yeah, I'm actually on the youth camp at the moment out in um, Bethel's, so I'm taking a break, um, looking after the teenagers. Um. You are an accomplished writer, but I have to ask, when you read something like Brett Easton Ellis, is it hard not to unconsciously adopt that style yourself when you're writing a novel at the same time? Um, less than it used to be. I used to be a real worry, and I, I would try not to read too much when I was writing. But um, I think the, the thing that you do that is interesting is reading someone like Brett Easton Ellis, who was a big inspiration when I started as, as you know, like a, as a teenager or whatever, 
And then seeing it now about to see what he's doing technically, I think is quite rewarding because you're like, oh, I've actually got good enough that I can kind of yeah, objectively look at this person's work, you know? Awesome. Um, so this one's called The Cold Vanish by John Billman. Presume it's widely available, Dominic? I actually had to get it off the internet, so I think you might need to buy it online or order okay. it in. But it's 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 totally worth it. It's, I couldn't put it down and um, just loved it. Eh? Yeah, really yeah. engaging. And, and I, I've said this before, but I'll just say it again for people who are interested. Um, after you recommended that uh, book, The Shards, last time, I looked in all the different places to buy it. I admit I went online first. And the cheapest and fastest way for me to get it was by bike delivery in Auckland uh, from a local independent bookstore. So, you know, it was hmm. always worth looking at local options before you assume the international will be better. Yeah, definitely. Thanks, Dominic. Great to talk to you. Awesome. And you Dominic too, Coey, Take care. Our, uh, our books guy for a Tuesday afternoon.